it seems as if the idea was to spend taxpayer money and to get a kind of clear, single story for, for America, for the country, to understand what happened. Based on that, would you say this was a failure? Uh, yes. How do you feel about that? Uh, frustrated? Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Jacob Goldstein. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today is Friday, January 28th. That was you, Jacob Goldstein, speaking with Keith Hennessy, one of the commissioners of the Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission you heard at the top. Today was the day we were supposed to have in hand the single official account of the whole financial crisis. And yet... And yet, Kestenbaum, as we heard at the top, that did not happen. We'll have more on that in a minute. But first, let me give you the Planet Money Indicator. Give it to me. Today's Planet Money Indicator is 3.2%. The U.S. economy grew at an annual rate of 3.2% in the last three months of 2010, according to some numbers we got this morning. Now, in normal times, that would be fine. It would actually be... It would be pretty good. But right now, when unemployment is up near 10 percent after the worst recession in 70 or 80 years, America, that is not good enough. That's like treading water. You can do better, America. 3.2 percent. How about give me 4 percent? Give me 3.3 percent. David Kestenbaum, thank you for that rousing pep talk on behalf of America. And let me just say that if this whole journalism thing doesn't work out for you, you have a promising career as Treasury Secretary. Just this morning, I saw this headline on Bloomberg. It said... Geithner says growth still too weak to boost jobs. He's a very smart man. (laughs) All right. So on to this report we mentioned. Jacob, we have been very excited about this report. It's been on our calendar for something like a year now. The day the Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission was supposed to release its final report. Give us the definitive account of this economic catastrophe, sort of like the 9-11 Commission, but for the financial crisis. And, you know, as reporters, when we want to do this kind of thing, we have to beg or cajole people to talk to us. These guys, they had subpoena power. You know, they could say, hey, powerful Wall Street CEO, you don't want to talk to us? Too bad. Subpoena. You got to testify. They could demand documents. They could demand internal emails. They had a $8 million budget. They had a staff of 50. And what, was, what seemed most promising to us was that it was supposed to be bipartisan. It was supposed to cut through all the political noise. Here's an excerpt from a video they put up on the website. This is the two guys in charge of the commission, one Democrat, one Republican, standing side by side in front of a big official logo, like a seal, of, has the you know, American Eagle in the words, United States of America. We've been charged with conducting a full and fair investigation for you, uncovering the facts and providing an unbiased accounting of what brought our financial system and our economy to the brink of collapse. It's a challenge that is in many respects daunting and complex, but at its core, simple and straightforward. Ah, remember when the dream was still alive, Jacob? (laughs) That was Phil Angelides, the chairman, a Democratic appointee, and Bill Thomas, vice chairman, Republican appointee. But instead of one clear story of what happened, we got three. Yes, three. The Democrats who were in the majority, they came out with one report. Three Republicans, they wrote another report. And a fourth Republican, he wrote a whole report of his own. So you and Alex Bloomberg and I spent yesterday jamming up the printer, trying to read through these things. We mostly focused on the Democrat majority report and the first Republican minority report. We tracked down four of the 10 commissioners, two from each side, and we had questions for them. Like, what happened? 
I asked Douglas Holtz Aiken, one of the Republican appointees. I wrote down this little quote from you. We owe the American people an official version of what happened, says Holtz Aiken. That was my hope. And uh, as I said, <laughs> yeah. we, we got them three. So maybe it's a bargain. Uh, you can decide for yourself. <laughs> what, what else did you find frustrating? Uh, toward the end, um, we were essentially given no real say in, in how things happened. There's a press conference today. I wasn't invited. Is it um, – we've been reading that uh, that you and some of the other Republicans sort of stopped coming to meetings toward the end. Uh, I, I, I find that kind of reporting offensive. I do. Um, number one, uh, the full disclosure is I was never consulted on when meetings would happen. And I have a life. I have a job. And um, when they change meeting dates, I had booked all the planned meetings literally a year in advance – and when meetings are changed with no notice, there are conflicts. And the notion that somehow we didn't execute our duties fully really does offend me. So clearly, you can even hear in his voice, David, there's some bad blood there. But, you know, when we started digging into the details, you see that on really big points, the Republicans and the Democrats actually agree. I mean, we asked all four of these people, you know, in all of the interviews you did and everything you dug through, what, what was it that most struck you? What, what really jumped out? First, let's hear from Byron Georgia, one of the Democratic appointees. The most surprising testimony that that we heard was the was several occasions when uh, executives in charge of major financial firms testified under oath to us that they had no idea that these enormous risks uh, were being created in their institutions. Okay, so there you have a Democrat saying Wall Street screwed up. They're partly to blame. That's not surprising, but Douglas Holtz Aiken on the Republican side, he gave the same answer. I am one of those who defends the free market, defends the right of private corporations to pay their executives what they please, and to sit there having, you know, done those defenses in public over many, many years and listen to executives who had been paid enormous amounts of money and just how, what a shoddy job they'd done in assessing risk, it's pretty hard to defend <laughs> at that point. So that, that hurts. So, okay, you have one Democrat and one Republican so far giving basically the same answer. Let's try the other two commissioners we talked to. Here's another Democratic appointee, Heather Murren. What was the most surprising thing for her? I have been struck by the fact that over the course of reviewing millions of pages of documents and interviewing more than 700 witnesses, and we held about 19 days of public hearings, that in all of that, there really was not one individual who linked their own personal behavior to what happened in the financial crisis. And to me, that was very striking. Not one person said, I had something to do with this. Not one. So Democrat says, no mea culpas. Now from the Republican side, here's Commissioner Keith Hennessy. I think the thing that most surprised, uh, that was most disturbing was some of these failed institutions, you had the CEOs, the chairman up there testifying, and they still wouldn't admit after their firms had gone bankrupt and ceased to exist that they had done anything wrong. Again, we have this really striking agreement. And as we kept talking to these people, they kept kind of making the same points. And it even got to the point where we heard Byron Giorgio, a Democratic appointee, this guy starts quoting chapter and verse from the other side, from the Republicans' report. Non-bank bank mortgage lenders flourished under ineffective regulatory regimes. Weak disclosure standards and underwriting rules made it easy for irresponsible lenders to issue mortgages that would probably never be repaid. 
You're reading from the dissenting statement. This well, I'm yeah. reading some some quotes from the dissenting statement, and, and you agree with them. Well, You're of endorsing course, them. and they what they but more importantly, they agree with us. So, <laughs> really, really, I think Marin my, is the problem actually my, right that, there. That's my point. I mean, so they agree on a lot of facts, but what they didn't agree on was how to tell the story. And this really hits you in the face when you start digging into the actual reports. The majority report, it's 500 pages long, and it, it basically reads like a novel. There are villains and victims. There's greed. It's this very human story. David, here, I'll read a little bit so you get a sense. This is from a chapter with the somewhat florid title, Before Our Very Eyes. Warren Peterson, a home builder in Bakersfield, felt that he could pinpoint when the world changed to the day. Peterson built homes in an upscale neighborhood, and each Monday morning he'd arrive at the office to find a bevy of real estate agents, sales contracts in hand, vying to be the ones chosen to purchase the new homes he was building. The stream of traffic was constant. On one Saturday in November, he was at the sales office and noticed that not a single purchaser had entered the building. He called a friend, also in the home building business, who said he'd noticed the same thing and asked him what he thought about it. It's over, his friend told Peterson. End quote, end chapter. All right. So compare that with this line from a parallel section of the rather slim Republican report, just 27 pages long. This is from a section with the significantly less florid title, Non-Traditional Mortgages. <laughs> okay, give it to me. <laughs> Destined to be a bestseller. Tightening credit spreads, overly optimistic assumptions about U.S. housing prices, and flaws in primary and secondary mortgage markets led to poor origination practices and combined to increase the flow of credit to U.S. housing finance. <laughs> so it's sort of the same thing, but in a very different way. And this difference, it turns out, it's not just superficial. It's not just style. It points to this really deep division between the views of the Republicans and the Democrats. The Democrats, with the way they're telling this story, they're laying out in a very dramatic fashion all these examples of what they see as warning signs. And the meaning of all those examples is summed up in two sentences, which we read to Keith Hennessy. Remember, he's, he's one of the Republicans commissioners. Right. So here are those two sentences from the Democratic 500-page report that Keith Hennessy could not attach his name to. Here are the sentences. We conclude this financial crisis was avoidable. The crisis was the result of human action and inaction, not of Mother Nature or computer models gone haywire. I think that is, if not the key difference, it is probably one of, one of just a very small number. And to make the case that the crisis was avoidable... You have to believe that it was both foreseeable and preventable. People should have seen it coming. Um, and then had they seen it coming, um, there were things that they could have done that it could have, that could have prevented it from happening. Uh, I think that um, I think that the crisis was uh, certainly not foreseen. And I don't know that it was foreseeable. And given that I don't know that it was foreseeable, right, then I don't know that it was a, that it was avoidable. No, that is a very frustrating answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it, and it is it is frustrating to me. Look, I, I'm I had to help tell this story. I, I wanted more than anything to be able to tell a clear story that explains very precisely, um, you know, here's what we could have foreseen and here's what we couldn't. Uh, but this is historic analysis as much as anything, um, and it's it's very difficult to draw those conclusions. So, David, 
sorting through all of this, it's clear that the Democrats and Republicans agree on a lot of the facts. But, but when they tell this story, they find a really different moral in it. For the Democrats, they look back and they say, there were a lot of people, top regulators, people who ran these banks, who should have seen this coming, who should have stopped it. There were human failures here. This is the moral of the story. And the Republicans are not willing to draw that moral. For them, the Democratic report, it reads sort of like annoying Monday morning quarterbacking. They say, yeah, looking back, you can always find warning signs. But just because you can see them now, it doesn't mean you could have seen them then. Shake, 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 shake You can read the reports and decide for yourself. We'll link to them from our blog at npr.org slash money. Let us know what you think about the reports and about this podcast. You can send us email, planetmoney at npr.org, or you can find us on Facebook. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Jacob Goldstein. Thanks for listening. 